tell. A keep. Good. If you've seen the movie Barbie, then you'll remember the scene we just watched where Barbie arrives in the real world and gets a glimpse into what it's like to be a female and she experiences the heartache that comes from being human. And as Barbie connects with her emotions and as she sheds some tears for the very first time, I just love the, the honesty of her response. She says, that felt achy, but good. Have you ever felt that way when you expressed emotion? achy, but good? Or maybe ask yourself, when was the last time that you allowed yourself to really be with emotions? When was the last time that you allowed yourself to feel joy, delight, sadness, grief, surprise? What about anger? As we continue in week two of our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality journey, we learn from Pete Scazzaro um, that awareness of ourselves and our relationship with God are deeply, deeply related. In fact, Pete says that the challenge to shed our false selves in order to live authentically in our new self, well, this strikes at the very core of authentic spirituality. The Apostle Paul, he expresses it this way. He says to put off your old self and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4, verse 22 and verse 24. Or Augustine, he wrote in Confessions in AD 400, how can you draw close to God when you're far away from your own self? Augustine prayed, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Mistar Eckhart, he was a Dominican writer from the 13th century, and he wrote this. He says, none can know God who does not first know himself. St. Teresa of Avila, she wrote in The Way of Perfection, almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of self-knowledge. In his book, Scazzaro says that the vast majority of us, well, we go to our graves without knowing who we are, meaning that we unconsciously live someone else's life, or at least we live someone else's expectations of us. And as you can imagine, that hurts us. Um, it hurts our relationship with God, and ultimately it hurts others. And he says that before we can live authentically, First, we must get to know ourselves. And getting to know ourselves includes getting to know our emotions. Now, if you were with us last week, then you'll remember that Jeff Martins taught us uh, from this book, from chapter one of Pete Scazzaro's book, he taught us that it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And Jeff asked us, you know, he said, are we prepared to look beneath the surface of the water to the 90% of the iceberg of our lives where Jesus wants to do the deep inner work of making us emotionally healthy and making us spiritually whole human beings? And together last week, we considered um, how that might lead to spiritual growth, how that might lead to healing and transformation that is beyond anything that we have ever dreamed or imagined. 
And one of the 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality that we looked at was the symptom of ignoring emotions of anger, um, ignoring emotions of sadness, and ignoring emotions of fear. And when I read that, it took me back a few years. It took me back um, to a time that I joined a small group. I'm not exactly what what caused me to jump so quickly to join a small group that uh, Dr. Hillary McBride was facilitating over Zoom in the spring of 2021, especially because it was uh, called an invitation to pain. And the write-up was something about pain and embodiment and experiences. And somehow that captivated me. And so on a whim, I joined this small group. And just to give you a bit of context, it was the second lockdown of the pandemic. Um, Our three girls and I were all working from home on our individual computers and from Wi-Fi crashing to food constantly being made in our kitchen and the espresso maker cranking out nonstop lattes, our house felt very full. Now, fortunately, our camper was parked in the driveway, and this became my uh, refuge, my office for a while, and it was the place from which I participated in this small group with over 20 uh, participants from all over North America, and the camper in my driveway was the place from which I woke up to the way that my emotions can get stuffed down and the way that emotions can get stuck in our bodies. I learned from Hillary McBride that Our bodies are not just physical, but also physiological. And that emotions are um, a really important part of being a body. Hillary taught us that all emotions are important and they're there to give us information. Emotions are there to teach us. Now, many of us were not taught as children how to be with and how to feel our emotions. And tragically, this is often especially true for boys. And the thing is, when we are unable to be with our emotions, um, when we sweep them under the rug, we sweep them into our nervous system. And there they grow and they fester. And not surprisingly, eventually those emotions erupt. Because when emotional pain is suppressed, it actually ends up driving us in ways that we're not even aware of. We heal when we can be with what we feel, is how Hillary summed it up best for me. And so in that experience, in that small group experience, I learned that I needed to feel my feelings rather than reason my way out of them. I couldn't think my way out of big feelings because to do so doesn't actually honor the emotions themselves. And so I learned how to honor how to hold, how to welcome emotion. And those emotions didn't actually overwhelm me like I feared they might. And I was transformed in the process. I was made healthier in the process. And for me, it was more than just naming the emotions. I actually was okay at that. It was actually about being with the emotions and understanding that there's no such thing as a bad emotion. Instead, like we learned about from um, Rich Valitis in the introductory week of this series, emotions are part of being human. And emotions have something really important to tell us. And emotions actually help us encounter God, not just in knowing ourselves, but also in knowing the one in whose image that we are created. Because did you know that God feels? Consider the following scriptures and what we learn about God 
and about God's emotions. In Genesis 1, 25 and 31, we read this. God saw that it was good, very good. In other words, God delighted, relished, beamed with delight over us. Exodus 20, verse 5, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Another verse, for a long time I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp, and I pant. Isaiah 42, verse 14. Jeremiah 30, 24, the fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with kindness. Hosea 11, 8, how can I hand you over Israel? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. Matthew 26, 37 to 38, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Mark 3, 5, he looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hands. And Luke 10, 21, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. If God is a God who feels and feels deeply and as people made in God's image, then it makes sense that we have emotions. And if God is able to feel deeply, then we know that God is more than able to handle and to welcome our big emotions. It turns out that naming and embracing our feelings is essential to encountering God because reality leads to reality. The more real that we're able to be, the more authentic that we're able to be, the more that we're able to encounter God and know um, just how beloved we are in our journey of becoming our true and our authentic selves. And as we think about knowing ourselves, it's important that we become aware of the false identities that can be so tempting for us, so easy for us to adopt, because once we become aware of them, we can shed them. We read in the New Testament that right after the baptism of Jesus and right before his public ministry, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. We read this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. 
All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then we read that the devil left him and angels came and attended him. And that comes from Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. Now, as we meditate on the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, there are three false identities or three masks that are offered to us. Jesus is tempted to tell stones to become bread. Jesus is brought um, to see the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And Jesus has promised all of them if he will bow down and worship the devil. And then the devil invites him to throw himself down from the highest point of the temple if he is indeed the son of God. Jesus is tempted to buy into the identity of performance, Jesus is tempted to buy into the identity of possessions. And Jesus is tempted to buy into the identity of popularity. And these false identities of performance, possessions, and popularity are, of course, a temptation for us as well. Now, if we back up a little bit in the book of Matthew, before we uh, read about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, we are earlier given a snapshot of Jesus where he comes to understand uh, who he is when we read about his baptism in the Jordan River. We read earlier that um, the heavens open and that the spirit descends like a dove. And Jesus hears the voice of his father say this, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. In other words, God the Father tells him, you belong to me, you are loved, you are good. Now Jesus has yet to perform miracles, yet to die on the cross for the sins of humanity, and nonetheless, Jesus uh, receives an experiential affirmation that he is deeply loved by his heavenly Father for who he is. And this love is the very foundation of how Jesus sees himself and it's the very foundation of how Jesus feels about himself. Living and swimming in the river of God's deep and abiding love for us is at the very heart of true spirituality. This experiential knowing Christ's love and knowing the acceptance of God, it provides the only sure foundation for loving and accepting our true selves because it's only the love of God in Christ that's capable of bearing the weight of our true identity. The thing is, God has created each one of us with a unique personality, with unique thoughts, unique dreams, temperaments, unique feelings, gifts, and desires. And all of this is what makes us authentically us. All of who we are, including our emotions, is deeply deeply loved by God. And these three temptations, well, they threaten us just like they did Jesus, telling us that we will never be enough, never be good enough, and never be lovable. Temptation one is, I do what I, I am what I do rather, performance. Temptation two is, I am what I have, and this is all about possessions. And temptation three is, I have what other people think which is really all about popularity. 
And so the invitation for you and the invitation for me is to be aware of these temptations, to resist them, and to shed them as we realize how deeply loved we are by God, how pleased God is with us, that we are good, that God delights in us. That is where our true identity, where our belovedness comes from. And the more that we can know who we truly are, the more that then we can truly know God and the more that we can experience God. And so like Jesus, we can find our own unique identity in the generous, unconditional, abounding love of the Father. Now, going to our core requires following God into the unknown, um, a relationship with God that turns our present spirituality inside out and upside down as God invites us to remove the false layers that we wear to reveal our authentic selves. And so maybe you're asking, um, how, like what supports us as we shed our false self, as we want to be true to our emotions before God and develop our authentic self and allow our true self in Christ to emerge? Well, in chapter two of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, uh, Pete Scazzaro, he walks us through four practical truths that can help us begin uh, the radical transformation of living faithful to our true self in Christ. And the first one is solitude and silence. And this simply means we spend time alone so that we can listen and listen to our feelings, the full weight of them, and to get curious about our feelings. Maybe we ask questions like, why did I respond the way that I did to that situation last week? Or why was I angry? What was I afraid of yesterday? What am I excited about today? All of this requires slowing down our pace so that we can really listen to what God wants to say and that what God wants us to hear. The second is trusted companions. The truth is we all need guides to accompany us on this journey. And we especially need guides who have more experience and more wisdom than us. In the journey of emotionally healthy spirituality, we're talking about radical change at the very core of our being. And there are at least two critical forces that hinder us. First is the pressure of others to keep us from living lives that are not our own. And the second is our own stubbornness and the possibility of self-deception. It can be so great that without mature companions, we can easily fall into the trap of living in illusions. Personally, my trusted companions have included close friends, mentors, therapists, and a spiritual director who I adore. And maybe you're thinking, I don't have anybody. Who could I have to accompany me on this? I would say ask God to give you somebody for this season, or maybe ask somebody that you respect for some suggestions. Another option is you could jump into week two of our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality short-term group that's being offered at each of our locations. Trusted companions are essential on the inner journey because the reality is that each of us have blind spots. The third is to get out of our comfort zone. Now, allowing our true self to come forth can be really frightening. Um, asking yourself, am I living faithfully to the life that God has asked me to live? is a big question. The ultimate gift that we can give the world is our true self living in loving union with God. 
And I mean, how can we affirm the unique identities of others if we don't first affirm our own? How can we love our neighbors if we don't first love ourselves? This inner journey is big and it's uncomfortable. And if you're feeling that, you are in good company. All of it requires coming out of our comfort zone. And then the fourth is pray for courage. And in the spirit of getting out of our comfort zone and being our true and our authentic self before God, well, this requires courage. And so we need God's help. Bring this to God, pray for courage, tell God what you need and ask for God's faithful provision. As we wrap up, coming to know ourselves is essential in knowing God. And coming to know ourselves, well, this requires us being real and honest about what we feel. God is a God of feelings, and we are people with big feelings, whether we realize it or not. And knowing ourselves, this requires getting to know what we feel. It requires being real about that and allowing our emotions to inform and guide us in our relationship that's deepening with God. Shedding our true self, or shedding our false self rather, and becoming more of our true and authentic, authentic self. And getting to know ourself so that we might get to know God, well friends, that's the adventure of a lifetime. And so let's close off with the prayer that Augustine prayed. He said, grant Lord that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Amen.